Well, it's great to be here with you today, and um, thanks for the introduction. Uh, I pray that, um, that God will speak to, through us today. Let's pray before we hear the word of God. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you. Help us to understand your heart so that we may be in tune with you, that we may feel what you feel, O oh God, that your pain will become our pain, that your glory will become our glory that your joy will become our joy. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for giving us love to all nations. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, one of the favorite story from the Bible is the prodigal son. I remember when I was young in Sunday school, my Sunday school teacher always uh, talked about prodigal son story. In fact, I remember we have a skit contest, and the famous theme of the skit contest is always prodigal son. The story is very simple, yet very moving and touching. The second son went to the father, asked him for his share. Well, you can ask for his share when he, the father, is passed away, but it's very rude to ask his share while the father is still alive. Although even then, the father graciously shared his share to the son. Son took all that, went too far away, and he spent all his money, and then famine came. He was starved. He had nothing to do until he took care of the pigs. And then yet he was so starved that nothing was able to give, well, nothing was given to him to eat, so he was starved to death. Until one day, he remembered his father's house. And he said, you know, there's so much plentiful in my father's house. What am I doing here? So he decided to go back. And father accepts him. And that story is so moving and touching because we can so easily identify ourselves coming to the Lord and our father always accept and love us. This story is, in fact, known as prodigal son, but the summer theologian says that we have to change the title of this prodigal son's parable. In fact, the main figure from this story is not a prodigal son, but the father himself. So it should not be a, a you know, prodigal son's parable, but rather the parable of a father, the father who loved the son and accepts him and when he comes back, our Heavenly Father is like that Father. And, um, you know, sometimes what we really need is to know and understand our Father. As we look into this passage, what kind of Father was He to this prodigal Son? And how our God is to us as our Father. First of all, this Father is the waiting Father. The father waits for the son. If you look at the scripture, the Bible tells us son decided to come back. And in fact, he was coming back home. And the Bible tells us in verse 20 says, when the son coming back home, it was father who saw the son first. It was not the son saw the father and rushed to the father, knelt down and said, father, forgive me. That would have been very plausible scenario. But it wasn't a nice case. Rather, it was father who saw the son and father who ran to the son. 
How would father see the son first? I mean, how would he know when the son would come back to be able to see the son first? I think there are so many other possible explanations, but the most plausible one that we can see is that the father is the one who's been waiting for the son. Father has been waiting for the son ever since the son left and always looking at the direction and to see his son will return. The Bible tells us another clue to confirm that. The Bible says, when the son is far away, the father saw the son first. You can imagine how this prodigal son looked like when he was coming back home. I'm sure when he was taking a lot of money away to the far country, I'm sure he looked really good, expensive clothes and, you know, very healthy body and, and all that. But he was starved to death away. And he got so many things was lost. You can imagine he lost a lot of weight. His hair is probably very bad and messed. His clothes looks probably awful. And you can imagine he was so different and changed in such a way that you cannot even recognize it was the same guy. But even then, the Bible tells us the father saw him from far a distance and recognized him and he ran to the son. I think it's important to realize the father has been waiting for the son and seeing the son coming back home. And the waiting father will acknowledge and realize the son and will be able to see the son. I remember from the scripture in Genesis when Adam sinned against God and he was hitting himself from the presence of God. It was God who was asking Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you? It's not that God was not able to find Adam. Adam was hiding himself so well that God could not find. So he's saying, Adam, where are you? I cannot find you. That's not the question. In fact, the question actually, it was simple question for Adam. That God was searching for Adam. He knew where he was. God knew the condition that Adam was. Yet, it was for Adam to know that God is waiting for him to come back. He was waiting Father, looking for us, searching for us to come back because we are in miserable life when we are away from Father's presence. It was God who always waits and searching for us. I remember a long time ago when we are in Kenya. We had uh, three kids and the uh, oldest one is six years old, second one is four years old, and the last one is two years old. My son David is four years old, middle one. In the middle of the worship service in Kenyan church, um, he said he had to go to the bathroom to do the big one. So, you know, being daddy as I am, so I had to take him away to the bathroom uh, and just to wait for him. Here I would took him to the bathroom. I put him into the toilet and wait outside. And I tell David, David, I'm here. You go ahead and do it, and then I'll take you back to the service again. So I waited a little bit, and then there's a voice coming from the bathroom. And he said, Dad, are you there? So of course I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm waiting for you. 
And then, a little bit later, another voice comes out, Dad, are you there? I'm here, son. Just do it. I'm waiting for you. And then another few minutes, another voice came from the bathroom. Dad, are you still there? By the third time I was hearing that, I was not happy. There's something coming from my stomach to tell him something bad about it. So I was about to say, and then I remembered the memory verse from Book of Hebrews. So instead of my uh, scolding, I actually spoke out of the memory verse that I memorized. So I said to him, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. (laughs) And then I was so shocked from the scripture that I just recited. I mean, I memorized it, I knew that, But in that context, the verse was hitting home to me. My son was sitting in the toilet. Door was closed. Wasn't sure dad was out there and nobody else was there. Dad, are you still there? We feel like that at times. And yet God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Even though second son went away, lost everything. The Father has been waiting, searching. Where are you? I'm here. Come home. Lonely? Hurt? Come home. Our Father is waiting, Father. Secondly, our Father is the one who runs to us. The Bible tells us from the scripture, when son was coming home, father saw him. As soon as father saw him, he ran to the son. Can you imagine? This father must be very good father, and he was probably very famous and rich in that village. He had his respect from others. His old man probably watchful for many things, yet he saw his son coming home and uh, everything was just dropped at that moment. And then suddenly the father started running to the son. He didn't care about what people think of him. He didn't think about anything else, but straight to the the son, he was just running to the son. You can imagine son was walking very slowly to the father, yet father was running to the son. The distance the son was coming to the father was far less than the father was running to the son. Our father is a running father. When I was reading that scripture, that just uh, overlapping with the remind of how the cross of Jesus Christ. Book of Philippians chapter 2 says about Christ, who was equality with God, yet he has emptied himself, humbled himself, and even to the cross. Theologians tell us this, a seven lowering down, who was equality with God, he was, became humanness, he was humble himself, he emptied himself, he finally even to death on the cross. Just as this father running all the way to the son. I remember a story from internet that really moved my heart. 
It was a story about little Johnny, who was second grade in elementary school. Johnny's teacher summoned his mom for counseling, and the mom came without knowing why. The teacher was sitting with the mother and explained why he called the meeting for John. And he said, you know, last week, I was talking to my class about the story about the grasshopper and ant. There's a grasshopper and ant. The ant was working so hard preparing a food for cold winter. But grasshopper didn't do anything, always play, prepare nothing for the cold winter. And the teacher said, now the cold winter came, what would happen? Finish up your story and gave them as assignment. So following week, the teacher collected all the assignments from students, and the teacher explained to Johnny's mother. You know, after I collect those things, I read through, and there's two categories of students at the time. One group says that ant was eating all the food he prepared, but grasshopper had nothing to do, nothing to eat, so he died. But the other group of students said, well, ant was so nice, and he shared his food with grasshopper, and they both lived happily in that cold winter. But little Johnny, Johnny wrote a story that the teacher never have heard of. Little Johnny wrote this way. The ant gave all his food to grasshopper and ant died. And then there's cross at the end. We laugh at that story at that moment. What it means simply is this, that stupid ant. I mean, there's no such ant existing. That doesn't make sense. That's a stupid. Who will do such a thing? Listen. Jesus was equality with God. He emptied himself, became humanness. He humbled himself. He died even on the cross. He left all the privileges in heaven, and he rushed and ran to us, even on the cross. Even mighty Roman soldiers, beloved disciples, could not stop him. He did not care, even his beloved father. He just looked at us and ran to you, the cross of Christ. Not only he is waiting father, not only he is running father, he is also the restoring father. The Bible tells us when the son comes, the father rushed and ran to him and threw his arms and kissed him. In fact, the story would be more likely as soon as the son was seeing the father approaching. I'm sure even from the scripture, the son practiced. He's going to say what he's going to say to his father when he sees him. He said in the Bible that as soon as I see him, I'm going to tell him, Father, forgive me. I've sinned against you in heaven. Please look at me as one of your higher men. But in fact, even though he practiced that, 
He could not even say that. As soon as he saw the father, I'm sure he's about to say, Father. But the father's lips stopped him. Throw his arms around and kisses him. In fact, Greek text tells us it's a plural. It's not just giving one kiss. It's giving many kisses. Some other translations covered him with many kisses all over to the point where the son could not even say a word. What message could be more stronger and clear than that? Through his arms and gave him kisses. The son knelt down. And the father shouts to the servants, bring the best clothes, bring the sandals, bring the rings. Best clothes, which clothes, whose clothes, who they know the son's clothes. It's father's clothes. Putting the father's best clothes, put it on him. Rings. That shows he's still my son. Sandals to his feet that is so rubbed and hurt from taking care of the pigs. Killing the fattened calf and celebrate. My son is alive and found again. Restoring father. Just imagine, it's not just simply doing it for the sake of son saying, hey, you came back. In fact, he's killing the calf and celebrating with the party. Imagine who will be invited. After all, there's a music coming on and there's a food and fattened calf has been killed. So the people were invited. They all came and seeing in the center of the seat, the father was sitting there Guess who could have sitten next to him? The prodigal son who came back. It's not just the telling son, you came back, but even that lost son was welcomed by the community as the father restores son as his own son again. Restoring father who accepts and loves. You can imagine we could have said many things to the son if we are in that case. I mean, looking at the son, looking very awful, position and appearance, we would say, what happened to you? What happened to all the things I've given to you? I knew you are going to be like that. That's what I told you not to do. I mean, he could have said many things, but he did not say a thing. But through his arms and kisses acceptance, the love the father had. That's a wonderful story. That's how I father is to all of us. You know, the problem of prodigal son is not that he had so much money and wasted. The tragedy of his life is that he was not in the presence of with his father. And he left and being away from Father's presence. 
I hope the story ended like that would have been very nice. Feeling good and love of God and accepting us the way we are. You know, when I was in Sunday school, I thought that's the end of the story. But as I was looking to the scripture, I realized there's more story left. The older son came back home. I don't know why my Sunday school teacher never told me about older brother of prodigal son. And the older brother came home. The Bible tells us he came in and then the music sound and the food smells. Grabbed one of the servants. What's going on? And he said, your lost brother came home. He was really where he is. He just rushed to the house and where are you? I hope that's the case. But that wasn't what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says the son was, the older brother was extremely angry and refused to go in. So father had to come out and explain, what's wrong with you? Your brother came back. And the son says, the older brother says, you know, I've been faithful and serving you. In fact, he was coming from the yard, working for his father. But your son came home and you killed this fattened calf. And the father says, your brother came home. We should celebrate. It's quite interesting when you look at the scripture in Luke chapter 15, how this parable actually got started by Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus was eating with those sinners and tax collectors and those Pharisees were not happy with Jesus spending time with those sinners and say, how come Jesus eating with the sinners and, and spending time with them? Then, verse 3, Jesus telling story about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. In fact, in that story, in the parable, we know the real punchline for the story is not the second son who ran away and came back. It was the older son who's been always with Jesus and saying, I kept the word of God and being faithful to God, yet failed to feel the heart of father. Another prodigal son who were at home didn't even have to go away. Being faithful. I always kept your word. I've been obedient to you. I worked so hard for you. Yet, where's your heart? Where's your father's heart? The Bible tells us father's heart. As soon as the father saw him, the Bible says he felt compassion for the son. Ever since his younger brother left how many times the father's concerned and searching for the younger brother, telling the older brother, where's your brother? Bring your brother. He needs to come home. It is possible to stay at home comfortably, yet become another prodigal when you fail to feel the heart of father. And that's why he's complaining. Your brother came home. Why throw a party? And 
fail to feel the joy of Father. I remember when I was serving in Japan for summer missions, one of the missionary couple was telling me, if your motive is love and compassion, then your action may be sacrifice, but the only thing you'll be conscious of is joy. If our heart is love and compassion, our action may be sacrifice, but we'll have the joy of Father. That's why someone says, you're not really Christian unless your heart is broken by the same thing which you broke out of Christ. If Christ is here, he will not be where we are. He'll be where the lost people are. As I mentioned, we have three kids. 20 years ago, when we were going to Kenya, it was... Um, our concern for our three little children. I mean, my wife and I was called by God to go to Kenya, but how about my three children? They were so young, and what if they realized it was God who put them away from U.S. and to the difficult situation in Kenya, and because of that, what if they are hostile against God or, or mission or Kenya? So we've been praying for how we as a family feel the same way to go to Kenya together. God gave a wisdom at that time. One of the famous popular Disney movie was Lion King. And our kids love the Lion King. The main figure in Lion King is Simba. If you haven't watched, there's a remake that just came out, wasn't it? Simba is in Kiswahili means lion. There's a Pumba there, Wakiki there, and, and kids were singing their songs, and so everybody was happy. So I said to my kids, hey, do you want to see Simba? <laughs> and they said, yes. And I said, in Kenya, there's so many Simbas. Do you want to go? And they said, yes. So we're so happy and preparing to go together to Kenya as a family until the, the one week before the, our departure. We are trying to get some uh, shots from the clinic for the Kenyan uh, travel. My wife had to get a, a seven shots and our kids had to get a five shots. On the way driving to the clinic, my oldest daughter, Christina, realized we were going to get shots and started crying. And she said, why do we need to get a shots? So I explained to her, you know, there's bad germs in Kenya. If you don't get shot, you may get sick. Then she said, then I don't want to go to Kenya. And then she said, why do we need to go to Kenya? The very question that I was avoiding so well with Lion King. But it was confronted in very moment, and I didn't know how to respond. When pastor doesn't know how to respond, the typical textbook answer that we give is something like this, which I gave to her. I said, it's because God told us to go. To make a long story short, they took five shots and 
The hospital gave some candies and chocolates. They were happy again. It was the next day I found my daughter talking to her younger brother, David. And Christina said to David, David, do you know why we're going to Kenya? David says, I don't know. And she said, because God told us to go. The very words that I said to her, she was telling her brother as if that's the real truth and amazing fact. And just looking at them, there's two things coming to my heart, rushing. One, you know, they're so innocent kids. And as a a physical father, taking them to Kenya and for them to suffer. As a father, I feel so bad and so sorry to my kids. Sorry, kids. And the other side of another voice. That's right. We're going because God told us to go. Where God's heart is, we go. Go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptize them, They need to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Where's your brother who lost? Find your brother. God spoke to all the brother, the prodigal at home. Friends, it doesn't matter where you are doesn't matter what condition you may be in. God is our waiting father. He's running to you through his arms and kisses and restoring father. And the same father has a heart for our lost brothers so that our heart will be in tune with God's heart. May God give us his heart that we may see what he sees, that our feet will move where he is, our hands will move where he works. The Father's heart for all of us, for his children. Let's pray. Let's just take a minute or so in our quietness. Maybe some of us here who's been in the church long enough, maybe you do many things here and there, but deep, deep down inside of you, you know you are not with the Father. You've been away and you're so tired, miserable, drained. Where are you? Where are you? The waiting Father searches for us, waits for us and running to us. 
restores us. Come home. It's time for you to come home. Our Father is waiting for you. It's the same heart that our Father has for all nations. Where is your brother? Bring your brother. He needs to come home. God's heart for all nations. Not only the mandate of mission, not only the suffering of mission, but also the joy of mission because you recover the heart of God because of love and compassion that He has. So we'll take a minute or so just in quiet as God speaks to us of His heart for you and for all those brothers. Father, we come to you as naked as we are. We surrender to you. For there is nothing that we can do. There is nothing apart from you. For there is life in you. Joy, peace, salvation, the power and your presence. So we come to you, O oh Father, as you welcome us, waits for us, and accepts us. We come to you, Lord. We come home in your presence. We want to have your heart, O oh God, so that the, the world will come to us as they matter to you. We thank you, Lord. They will not be a prodigal son away or even at home. That we are being in tune with your heart. They will become more like you. Move us, O oh Lord as our heart is in tune with you, that you will reach out your people with the love of Christ. We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.